and as I think about collecting them together into like a an album, I see how how they relate and like how I went from one to the next and like what the, what that flow means and they start to take on you know meaning after the fact. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? Good. This is my first time ever doing an Instagram live, believe it or not. So I was like, oh, okay. I have no idea how to like work the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. Yeah. I've only done a couple. Um, uh, yeah. And that can be a little bit tricky. This, uh, the, uh, unable to connect, uh, whatever kept on coming up. That uh, was the first time I've ever seen that, but, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad we're here now. I'm glad we're able to connect, um, for, uh, for this interview. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. I I remember, I mean, you reached out to me a couple of years ago. Thanks for sticking around and uh, keeping me in your, uh, you know, in your memory of, uh, you know, person to talk to, but uh, yeah, I'm glad we have this opportunity uh, because you're playing a a pretty big show this coming Saturday, November 12th, uh, you know, stack lineup with, uh, with you, with Align in Time and um, also with Secret Gardens from New York and circus trees from uh, I forgot which town, but somewhere in Massachusetts. Boston, Sorry, yeah, they're circus. Boston area, yeah. Boston area, cool. And then, uh, yeah, one of my you know personal favorite strip mall is also on the show. So uh, it's an incredible nice. night of music. Um, but I'd love to just talk to you a little bit about your career. And I mean, you make some really really interesting music. Um, so I'd love to just kind of talk to you about that, and uh, even just talk a little bit about like what got you into music how long have you been uh creating yeah absolutely and uh to your first point yeah we my uh wife and i moved here like four years ago now for like Uh a a solid chunk of time before the pandemic um so i yeah when i put out that my most recent album i was looking for you know local places local music sites people doing fun Uh things in the music scene locally um, and I came across your compilations and uh, the, uh, stuff like this, interviews that you've been doing. And um, so that was why I reached out. So I'm, I'm psyched that we finally get to connect. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, I've been playing music definitely since I was a kid. I was, you know, as I grew up, parents were like getting me and my sisters to try different instruments and I settled on guitar. That was like, I remember... At one point, we had a whole discussion. My parents were like, you have to play piano or guitar because those are the two <laughs> instruments you can play by yourself. Um, yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like I had tried like trombone or whatever, but you can't exactly like play a, a solo song <laughs> on a trombone the same way. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we, uh, they, I had been doing piano and then I, I said, you know what? I want to switch to guitar because that seems way cooler, you know, to my, mm-hmm or whatever 11 year old self at that time um yeah and then i just since then i played in bands like in high school and college um towards the end of high school i started writing just random stuff that didn't seem to fit with the band i was in at the time felt 
instrumental. I was getting into like film scores and post-rock artists like Sigaros and Explosions in the Sky and being really influenced mm-hmm. by that stuff. And um, yeah, it's, it started with just like one song that was kind of like a fun experiment. And then I was like, it'd be cool to keep writing more songs like that. And then it took me a while, but I wrote the first album's worth and yeah, recorded it. And then did the same thing again, very slowly writing another album over the span of like seven or eight years. Um, yeah. And that's how I got, that's how I got here. <laughs> yeah. But with that, uh, you know, I mean, this is essentially a solo project, correct? Uh, I mean, you have, a drummer that that will play on albums um and stuff like that but um you know even taking that inspiration from those other bands you know at least to my knowledge they're bands you know like they uh yeah. they have people you know so and i mean it, it, what does it uh take for you to create um these like elaborate soundscapes uh by yourself you know um is it uh freeing or is it ch- like even more challenging because you don't really have people to kind of um, you know, move this stuff along with, or, you know, what's that experience like for you? Yeah, it's probably a lot slower, first of all, because yeah, just, <laughs> yeah you agonize over things in a way probably that you can't when you have other bandmates helping you write. But definitely for me, a big influence, I remember um, in high school and then into college was um, Casey Crescenzo from, he was in The Receiving End of Sirens. Um, yep. And he sort of famously had a side project, the deer hunter that was similar, oh, yeah. similar approach. It was just him like writing music, recording music on his own. And, and I, I loved Treos. I loved the deer hunter. And it was like such an inspiring thing to see this guy who was in a band that I loved, but like had this whole other outlet for mm-hmm. the music that he, that felt like really his personality, you know, coming through and is in this separate project. Um, yeah. And so that was a real like inspiration, like, oh, this is this is a cool thing. Maybe I could and maybe I can just like write my own music and see how it goes. And it and it was all just kind of like learning through the process, too, of like how to how to demo things on my own and like get them mm-hmm. to a reasonable place. And um, yeah, using drum machines and like figuring out how to write. I'm not a drummer, so how to like write drum parts that don't suck <laughs> and that you know real drummers could actually play um yeah. are, are you like writing the parts or are you uh, letting the drummers yes. play them like kind of uh come up with their own pieces or are you actually like fully fleshing that out and just having someone else like execute it in the studio basically? yeah pretty much the latter so far i mean okay. i think like i've come to appreciate the you know just the unique perspective that a drummer brings like a real drummer uh-huh. brings someone who actually knows how to play the instrument i think the first two albums definitely i wrote like per, like down to the note <laughs> kind of each part oh, okay um on a drum machine and you know it sounds terrible when you're when you're writing it sounds like just like <laughs> very fake and machine, you know doesn't, yeah, yeah. doesn't really come to life <laughs> and then when you actually get into the studio and you're recording it um drummers real drummers just can like run with it a little bit and then put yeah change change the fills like make it feel more natural and even just exactly, obviously yeah. putting it on a real drum set will just make it feel so much more real um mm-hmm. so yeah I, I definitely i wrote those parts for the first two albums and they then had the first album one of my good friends um jesse hangan recorded parts and then the second time around we were in i was in nashville and so we got a guy um tyler Mahurin, who was a connection of the producers that i work with brian russell 
um, who's been in a ton of bands over time. Right now, he's he's a the drummer for a big country artist, actually. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, he just learned the parts, showed up, two days of like really intensive <laughs> recording. Um, yeah, was, yeah. But yeah, I feel like cool. for future recordings, I've thought about how it'd be fun to have um, live leave a little more room for the drummer or, uh, or whoever records the parts to be a little bit more involved with like helping shape it. Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah, the parts just because they again they like it's their instrument. They, they know it much better than I do. Mm-hmm. I've, I've learned a lot writing the parts, but I think it, it'd be fun to collaborate more too. So, yeah. But with that, like how are your songs created? Like, are you writing riffs and then piecing them together? Or are you like coming up with, uh, you know, more of a plan, you know, and yeah. then uh, you know, we'll kind of go from there, but I have another question kind of following up with that. Cause I know you have like a lot of, elements of storytelling that you want to have with this but you know i just was kind of curious if you have like a linear thing that you're just building on this song to get to that point or is it just like these are some cool riffs that comes together in a nice three minute package you know whatever else it is yeah totally totally yeah it usually starts as as like one a riff or an idea right like you're just noodling around on a guitar or 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 whistling or messing around with a drum machine or whatever and there's mm-hmm. something that sticks out and it's like oh cool i should explore that further yeah, uh, yeah and then usually pretty quickly from there i'll start to get a sense to your point of like i'm really big on like figuring out the arc of the song like where is mm-hmm. it starting where is it going to end up and therefore like what needs to happen to get there so i think mm-hmm. like that to your point a, a lot of the songs have that kind of like real structure to them um which is influenced by some of like we talked about those other bands or like um certainly like yeah film scores and and that kind of um musical storytelling like i grew up Mm -hmm. parents were really big on musicals i grew up listening to a lot of musicals and i feel like that concept of like yeah recurring themes and stuff is very much part of it um but yeah Mm -hmm. it's 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 not a fast process it's kind of like there's an idea section and I'll say, okay, like, where does this section feel like it fits in the song? Does this feel like it's the climax of the song? Does it feel like it's an intro? Does it feel like something in the middle? Is it like a transition between, you know, two sections? So um, usually it's kind of like it grows out from that part. Like I'll figure out, okay, I have this part and it feels like it should go here after that. Or I have this part and it feels like this should lead into that. Um, mm-hmm. And then so it's like kind of growing out from that initial idea until mm-hmm. I get to a start and end point. And then sometimes I'll have like, you know, I'll get inspired and say like, th- this feels like where it should end up. And so I'm going to like find a way to get there. You know, I'll, ha- I'll, like, I'll come like up with another. Like how, how can you get? like uh, yeah you know, exactly a, a, a i'll be like your okay. fretboard in a certain way so that makes sense yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe not maybe not that precise but more like okay. <laughs> section and it's going to sound really big and like you know have these big chords and like whatever and and i'll be starting from a place that's much smaller and i'll be like okay how does it how should how can it build to that like or uh-huh. do i want to build to that maybe it should just be like a sudden jump right maybe it should just be a really big impact from the quiet mm-hmm. to the that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, definitely <laughs> not a science at all and not like a, a set process changes every time for sure. Okay, cool. 
Um, but yeah, with regard um, to what I you know previously mentioned, you know, I do remember reading uh, that your the songs that you could write are kind of like loosely biographical, and that you want to have a, a story uh, to them. So I'm just I'm interested to kind of hear a little bit more about that and like how you translate that, you know, as an instrumental artist of like you know what it takes uh, to to do that, um, you know, uh, where like obviously with lyrics, you can just state what you're feeling or whatever else, but trying to create that mood and all of that, um, what's, uh, what kind of what's going on in your head to, to have that stuff translate. Yeah. I mean, to your point, it's obviously not very literal, (laughs) you know, it can't Mm be, um, nor would I want it to be because I think it's really fun for people to be able to listen and interpret. Um, yeah, I think, I have general sense, certainly. I think a project, to your point, that like I'm writing on my own. I'm writing it very slowly, sort of in the background of life, you know, as I go through mm-hmm. different phases, living in different places, job stuff, relationship stuff, you know, having a kid. I now have a kid. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And all that stuff, I think, gets channeled into it in, in some, you know, not necessarily very literal or direct way. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, I do think about my music as sort of reflective of my personality, I think is it, it may be more okay. the way to put it is like this uh, in my music. I feel like I try to write music that captures what I love about a lot of the artists that I love. And so it's sort of an encapsulation of that. And so it ends up being very biographical in the sense that like it reflects like how I prefer like emotion to be expressed through music you know so mm-hmm. how how i feel at different points in my life when i write each song because i i tend to write them one at a time so they end up being like sort of snapshots of like this is where my head was at at that moment in time oh, okay um, and and because of that they inevitably to me have those associations like oh this is this reminds me of this point in my life and so you know i and as i think about collecting them together into like a an album i see how how they relate and like how i went from one to the next and like what what that flow means and they start to take on you know meaning after the fact too for me as like Mm -hmm. a listener of my own music and that's Mm -hmm. and that's how i get to the process of kind of like naming them too a lot of times i usually don't name them until they're done because that's when i start to get clarity around like what they signify to me you know um And most of the names are references to things that are important to me, like either quotes from books that I've read or films or thing conversations I've had with friends and family, like pretty much none of the names actually are, are like just something I came up with out of my head. They're, they're almost all references to specific things that I've connected with. Um, Okay. Which I don't like, you know, I don't share out all that stuff because I don't, again, I don't want to like give people a bunch of baggage. I want to let them listen to it <laughs> their own way, but it, it helps, you know, me sh- represent what the feeling I'm going for is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear that. Yeah. You write these, um, you know, one at a time in a sense that you're like, are just working on this composition. And once that's, you know, done, then yeah. you can kind of move on. That's, that's, uh, cool to hear. Um, yeah, occasionally yeah. it'll be at most maybe like two or like I'll have an <laughs> idea for a third, but I find it hard to like jump back and forth. I'm not good at that. I don't know. I'm always amazed at really prolific songwriters that can, you know, 
bang out an album in a like an album's worth of songs <laughs> in a month or whatever. I'm just yeah, like, my God, yeah. maybe I, yeah. I'm not I'm not good enough, or I, I'm too like particular about it or something. I just need to loosen up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounds impossible. Well, I mean, you're, again, like you're you're doing this on your own, um, and uh, and yeah, writing these like really intense uh, and um, yeah, from listening to to all of your stuff and. You know, I, I, again, I, I do remember reading as well. Like, you just really also love like the production side of it and having all of those things like be really well put together. You know, so yeah, yeah I could just see that if you're doing all of that stuff, it's it just like out of necessity that it's going to take a little bit more time than yeah. here's a three chord, you know, folk song that uh, you can, <laughs> you know, that's purposely meant to like sing and write on, you know, on, on a porch or whatever. You know, so right. I can, uh, but. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to actually talk a little bit about your albums. You know, your first album, Me and My Arrow, came out in December of 2011, correct? Um, yeah, somehow. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? It's just, it's just so long ago. I can't believe it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> believe it's 11 years. Like, that's just it's so nuts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's a powerful record. Uh, you know, one thing that I'd kind of picked up on is that you did some of the tracking uh, with uh, Mike Porman at Strange Ways, yep. correct? Um, yep. Uh, I, you know, I actually I did some recording with um, at at Strange Ways as well. I've done a few albums there. Oh, nice, cool. With, um, with Daryl uh, Ravidu, who was in Cancer Conspiracy and, and Mike's partner. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a great space. So yeah, I guess I just you know wanted to talk to you about that record, what the recording process was like for you, what it was like working. Yeah you know, at, at strange ways or, you know, anything like that, that you want to shout out about that, that album, yeah. you know? Like. Yeah, for sure. Um, that, so I did most of the recording in Beltsville, Maryland, where, which was at the time where the producer that I worked with, Brian Russell was living. Um, mm-hmm. he had taken over the studio from Matt Squire. I don't know if you're familiar, uh, another producer no. who had kind of like hit the big time and like, was like co-writing with Katy Perry and like moved out to LA. <laughs> like to, oh wow! To okay. Yeah. Started doing way bigger stuff, and Brian took over his studio. Um, and yeah, and then we just when we were like starting to mix it, I wasn't thrilled. Like we both kind of like weren't totally thrilled with I think with the the way the bass sounded in particular. Um, uh-huh. And so I had worked with Mike with my band right out of college, a band called Air to the Sun. Um, when I, I was actually, I went to college in Boston. Um, and we had recorded our EP with Mike, um, and had a good experience and he was close by. I was in the, you know, Boston area. So I just asked him, I was like, can I just come do a day of like just doing bass parts at your studio? Um, mm-hmm. and it was great. Yeah. Mike, Mike's awesome super chill guy it's been a it's actually a long time since i i saw him or talked to him um but he also in addition to brian russell moved to nashville um and he's now actually he's billy eilish's uh drum tech i think yeah 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 yeah, 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 speaking speaking of blowing he's still playing with hot rod circuit there they started playing again so he's doing all their yeah yeah he was doing hot rod circuit stuff and then yeah i would imagine Billy Eilish is is a full time gig for anybody. Yeah, but, it's like arenas, yeah. you know. So yeah, it's totally. Deal, but. <laughs> yeah, and but it was a good experience. Yeah, we just we all we did was retrack all the bass parts and then send them to okay. to, to to you know work into his mix. Um, mm-hmm. But it was cool. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I feel like a lot of 
I don't know, like producers and, and even artists from that whole scene have all moved to Nashville. <laughs> and I know, you know, like Nashville's where yeah. you want to, where you go to if you want to do music stuff, but you don't want to live in LA pretty much. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I guess that's, it's like, that's part of the appeal, but it was funny being in, going to record the second album in Nashville. Um, and just like hearing the names of everyone that's down there. It's like every, so many like emo bands and producers certainly like the from mike Porman scene um yeah oh, wow, okay plus brian and, and a ton of his connections are all down there mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. which is really interesting <laughs> yeah um but yeah with that record like how uh i, I mean there was a, a a gap that you were talking about the length of time it takes to to make these albums there's a gap between you know your first and second but how long did it take for you to create that that first album and um and the, I mean, it seems like a really like flushed out idea when it came out, you know, um, but like, yeah. so what was that like, you know, creating this project, um, you know, from the, you know, the start that you were talking about until this album came out. So, yeah, I, the first song, like I mentioned, was just kind of like, a, like trying something out for the first time. I had no yeah. idea what I was, doing. I was like, I'll try to, <laughs> I'll try to write a song on my own, see how it goes. Um, and then it, it was probably like four or five years after that, that I had that album like all written. And I felt like, okay, I reached a point where I could see it all fitting together. It was, I, mm-hmm. I was like ready to record it and felt like I wouldn't feel like I was, I wouldn't regret it or feel like I was missing something. It wasn't too soon. I remember the last song that I wrote for that was um, the fifth song on the album, Men Without Chests. And I remember after writing that, I felt like, okay, that felt like the last piece that felt like now I have a cohesive group of songs and that cl- sort of clicked into place. So yeah, it was probably about four years of writing and then another year from there with like recording all the production stuff. Um, you oh, know, okay. I just had everything demoed and then went and recorded with Brian. doing shows back then as well i know it's uh, you know we'll, we'll get into the show this saturday but you said that there's been you know like a 10-year gap of even just doing shows so um, yeah like what were you doing uh live uh back then yeah yeah we did um one tour i well we did first we did one show when like towards when the album came out so that was exciting mm-hmm. just like did one show actually at my college I, I was at boston college and we did one sort of like show that I thought was just going to be one chance to like play all the music for some family and friends. And and it was cool. It was a really cool moment. Um, But then a year later, um, after I put the album out, uh, we just 
like managed to string together a really a, a pretty short tour. I think it was like eight or nine dates or something on the mm-hmm. East Coast. Just because at that point I had been, you know, I lived in Pennsylvania and then I went to school in Boston, and um, it just sort of like came to it, like worked out i had enough connections we you know the, the, one of the guitarists had gone to school in ithaca so we like managed and, and we had the bassist <laughs> lived in northern new jersey and so we had enough uh, drummers from virginia so we like did this string of dates that kind of went to like each of our hometowns or like college towns and it was That's like smart. enough to, yeah. to get some people <laughs> to the shows yeah yeah um so it was really fun. It was a really cool experience just because to your, you know, the earlier conversation around like writing all this stuff on your own, it was just so, such a cool opportunity to, to be able to play it with friends and, and like mm-hmm. hear, hear how it sounds, you know, when it's not yeah. just you like, sitting in a room by yourself noodling yeah. around. Um, so that was really the music cool. music definitely and, lends itself to that too, I'd have to say. I mean, like you're writing these like very big, you know songs you know that for sure yeah it must be just great to to hear live you know so (laughs) i always joke like that i'm not good enough at guitar to just write like one guitar part that sounds really cool i have to write like three (laughs) to to approximate a cool guitar part um but yeah so it's a totally different experience like the songs are just they're just made to be a lot of parts being played together you know Mm -hmm. um and so that's why I, I was just like so excited to have that chance to do that. And I didn't at the time think much, you know, necessarily would happen beyond that. Um, I didn't know. I, I figured I'd probably keep writing, but who knew, you know, everyone mm-hmm. post college moving to different places across the country, like who knew when something would happen again. And then just, you know, I had planned like many artists, I'm sure to do a show, um, when, a, when the album came out in 2020. Obviously, yeah, the world had other plans. Um, so we didn't end up doing anything. We had talked about doing the video, maybe uh, doing certainly doing at least a show, if not a sort of like mini tour of some sort. Um, yeah. and then the pandemic kit. And so nothing happened around the album release, which was definitely a bummer. But in yeah. that context, this is for on a spiral, correct? The, the on yeah, spiral, yeah, album, but, yeah, yeah. And, but obviously with everything going on in the world, it certainly wasn't like we were, <laughs> I, I wasn't really yeah. focused on, on that in particular at that point in time. Um, and my wife and I were trying to, you know, get pregnant and have a kid. And so then we, then a year later we had that and all, you know, just music mm-hmm. stuff kind of got set aside for a little bit, but it was cool. Yeah. I got to do the album release, you know, at a time when I could really focus on it. Like the pandemic kind of made all of us sit at home and, you know more than we would have otherwise um and then and then yeah once shows started happening again i just sort of like started to feel it out with the rest of the band and say like hey would you guys be down for for Mm -hmm. putting on a show um you know do it in providence in my new hometown or not so new anymore four years later (laughs) um yeah and like we it's sort of like one step at a time like maybe more things will happen in the future but Right now, it's just like a cool, cool chance to do it. So then that, that started the process of like, yeah, getting the show organized, the first show in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really exciting. Um, you know, again, to, to those that are, uh, just, you know, joining on the, the live feed, uh, a line in time. John is here, uh, from that. We'll be playing at FETS on this Saturday, November 12th with 
secret gardens and circus trees and strip mall and it's going to be fantastic uh, so definitely go check that out um yeah you know uh with uh with this record, I mean, the, or the, the latest record on a spiral, like even though you did put it out in the, the pandemic, um, it seems like it's uh, doing pretty well. I mean, like just like reading some of the reviews and some other things like that, like people are really digging that, you know, like digging that album. Like, how does that feel to you? You know, like um, getting that response, especially because it came out in June of 2020. So, um, you know, like it was still a, pretty crazy time you know as it is still now but you know like it was a um you know but like having that where you're not not able to kind of like fully back this up with yeah shows and stuff like that but having people um you know of all areas you know reaching out and and, uh, digging it so what is that like to you man yeah i mean obviously like i said that it was it was hard to focus or be feel too upset mm-hmm. about things getting thrown off, but it was a it was a really interesting time to try to do this whole process of like sending it out for reviews or like you know like people like you finding people doing podcasts or or whatever local music news mm-hmm. whatever um just because I mean literally you didn't know where people were in life at that point, you mm-hmm. know you didn't know who was sick, who had family sick who needed to move across the country because they needed to be with family. Like, you know, people obviously like moving around and changing their jobs and their lives to try to like accommodate all the crazy stuff Mm -hmm. that was happening. So it was a very weird time to try to promote music, you know, and, and like just the weirdness (laughs) of being like, listen to my album. Like, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, but like also listen to my album. (laughs) Yeah. Check it out. (laughs) Uh, But in a weird way, I mean, like it sounds cheesy, but I do think like uh, it, everyone, it was sort of a captive audience thing too. Like it felt like Mm -hmm. people were looking to music and, you know, art and film and books and relate in, you know, relationships. It was obviously the start of like everyone being on video chats, like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a weird time definitely to, to go through that process. And, and I was doing it like 10 years or eight years after the first album. So already I was trying to figure out like everything changed in terms of like, you know, in the music scene, who, what, what like platforms or channels existed, like influential reviewers or like, in, you know, influencers and, and all the different places you can like share music had changed. Mm-hmm. Like when I put out the first album, Spotify was like not yeah. almost barely a thing at that point, right? And mm-hmm. and so I, I actually the first album I hadn't even put on Spotify when it came out, and then a couple of years later I put it on Spotify. So the landscape was like uh, it was just totally different, a totally different experience. And I was it was such a learning process of like not just okay you you write the music and you record the music and that's important, but like how do you actually get the music out there? That was an entirely mm-hmm. separate learning process that I went through. Um, but it, it was great. I mean, I think like the, the sort of scene that, uh, post the post rock scene has become as this global thing. It's so, it's so niche, right? It's such a small, small genre in terms of like fandom, you know, if, if you think mm-hmm. in terms of Spotify streams, like the biggest post rock bands are only like 150,000 streams or something like that, right? It's, this isn't like mm-hmm. a, <laughs> a genre or 150,000 listeners it's not a genre that like has a huge following but 
it's really well connected online. Like there are a handful of, you know, YouTube channels, Instagram channels that kind of aggregate and promote music in this scene. So people know where to go when they, uh-huh. you know, people that are into this music know where to find it. Um, so that was like the biggest thing I think was just getting it, sharing it with those people that just have the right audience wherever they are. Cause it, it, it is so global. It's niche, but it's, it's everywhere, I you know? You. Yeah, yeah. So like the, the big channels are like in India and like Turkey and, you know, like those are, that's where the big post rock channels are like run from the people that run them. Oh, wow. And they're small things, you know, it's just like a, a random person that is, loves the genre and is just, just puts a, an insane amount of time into like receiving inquiries from bands and posting videos to YouTube and like doing interviews and giveaways and reviews and like whatever. And it's, it's yeah. really amazing. And they've like managed to foster this, um, you know, really, really cool community that's all, very supportive and and you know it's it, you can go like straight to the source of the people that are gonna be most likely to be interested in this kind of music um mm-hmm. which is cool and and when i say this kind of music it's still pretty broad like it's everything from like metal bands to like <laughs> folk you know post-rock is sort of a, a pretty vague definition of like music that tends to have slightly longer songs and be instrumental right but that could be like folk sounding or that could be like death metal sounding depending on where you fall on the spectrum so yeah yeah no i mean that's that's really cool to hear that that's uh going on that you're able to tap into that um yeah you know uh one question between the albums like how from your perspective like how would you describe um if there is any difference between the two albums, like how would you, um, you know, looking at them, uh, in your life, like had the, the, uh, is there anything that, that kind of varies from them or certain, uh, I know that obviously you, the pieces are kind of, you know, aligned with your, your time, but I, I don't know why I just said that. That was weird. <laughs> I can't, I think I've been listening to your music too much, but like aligned with your, your timeline of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, they, no, they tie together. Um, <laughs> That's weird. Um, but, uh, like, but yeah, from your perspective, uh, like how would, how would you say that if there's a difference between the albums, like what's, uh, what kind of was, would that be, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think definitely like we were talking about the fact that they're so sort of synced up with the period in my life when I was writing them. Um, Mm -hmm. that means that a lot of the differences I think are in line with what, aligned you might say with (laughs) what i was going through in those points in my life so i think like so that means the first album to me is a little bit maybe more optimistic and like Mm -hmm. youthful and sort of like bright-eyed and like this you know Mm -hmm. a little bit less not not as complicated maybe it feels a little bit more sort of like direct um straightforward whereas i feel like the second one just reflects you know another eight to ten years of like being a person and realizing you know more terrible things about the world and life and like trying to Mm -hmm. and and about myself you know and trying to like come to terms with that stuff and come to terms with like my own limitations and flaws and challenges and whatever and and reflecting that through it as well so to me, the second album is is a lot more complicated 
not not mm-hmm. literally in the sense of like it's more technically difficult to play or anything although it is i think a little bit more musically complex i think it also is just more emotionally um mm-hmm. dense and layered and not as sort of like uh, straightforward doesn't kind of just say like here's the emotion you should be yeah. feeling right now it's a little <laughs> bit more inconsistent a little like more evasive and sort of um you know helping you see what it's trying to convey because mm-hmm. that's just how, how I feel now. I feel less certain about, you know, where I, how I feel about certain things, you know, less certain mm-hmm. about where my life's going, where the world's going, what I should or shouldn't be doing. I think like that uncertainty um, definitely is reflected in the music. Yeah, I mean, just that you have one other release that you put out. It's a, a two-song EP. Uh, so like an acoustic version of, you know, a song from your first album, a song from your second album. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you brought in some different instrumentation with this, you know, like mandolins and uh, other things like that. But like, uh, what inspired you to recreate those particular songs or to, to work on a project um, that in, in that way? Yeah, I mean, I think that was uh, sort of a pandemic type project. Um, oh, okay. You know, just spending lots of time at home, isolated. I knew I wanted to keep keep the ball rolling with like writing music, and I had started on that. But it was a fun way to have an opportunity to like make something quickly and put it okay. and share it. You know, without too without overthinking it. I was just like, I'll just have fun with it. I'll take a couple of songs. I did one song from each album and. Um, yeah, I just thought like kind of take off the guidelines aside, like what the guidelines that I've used for the music so far, just say like, okay, aside from making it the same song, pretty much like, what would I do with it? If I didn't, if it doesn't need to be that traditional, like electric guitar, bass, drums, instrumentation. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think part of what made it feel possible too, was just that each of the songs to me is like. I hear the way it's recorded, but I kind of hear like the song 
stripped of all that as well. It's like the parts. I know that, you know, I feel like I hear the notes, the way that they go together is, is as important as all the production elements. So mm-hmm. it was sort of a process of saying like, how, what's another way to express that same idea? Right. Um, and yeah, some of the things again, definitely film score influenced and then bringing in things like uh, used a clarinet in one of the songs. Um, I, my cousin who I play a ton of music with, um, Russell Gutterson, um, he, he plays a lot of mandolin. So I just thought, you know, why not? I sent him, I sent yeah, him yeah. some, some ideas and just like, can you like mess around with this? He sent me a file back with like a whole bunch of parts and we kind of like mishmashed it all together. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, like I reached out to a drummer that I found online and just said like, Hey, like here's a rough outline to, to the first thing we talked about, about giving a little more license to the drummer. I was like, here's a rough outline of a drum part. Like, can you help like finish it off? Like make it a, make it a full song. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it was really, it was a cool experience. Like for me, it was really freeing. It was just like taking these ideas that I knew really well and just saying like, well, what if, what if I like did them very differently, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the guitar parts changed just stuff that sounds bad when you try to play it on an acoustic guitar, <laughs> just necessitated <laughs> that. So there were a lot of like new parts and parts that were played really differently and things like that. Um, but it was a, it was a cool learning experience and, and definitely made me want to do that much more open ended approach mm-hmm. more with whatever comes next. I don't know yet if it'll be an, an album or an EP or whatever. But okay. I, I loved the freedom of it. So, like, definitely, I I feel like for sure the next album or whatever I do next will have more more acoustic guitars, probably more other instruments involved, be much more diverse in terms of like sort of the sonic palette, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, mainly because of how great that experience was. And then the other thing that was very different about it is I did a lot of the I did all the tracking myself and then i did the mastering so i still worked with brian oh, okay. russell brian russell mixed it um but i recorded everything at home by myself which was a also a learning experience um <laughs> yeah, yeah. he mixed it and then he sent it back to me and i mastered it um and that was cool too because it just meant i i had so much more time i had full control you know it, it's not as high quality as it would be if i went to a studio um you know it certainly <laughs> certainly can't match what brian's capable of doing in like his studio with all of his gear but being able to just you know sit at home and try out parts and you know mess around until i found something i liked was also you know freeing it, yeah, it kind yeah. of balanced out yeah the benefits so
No, I'd highly recommend anyone that's listening to uh, check out anything that's John made with the line in time. Um, you know, I'd want to talk about your show, but you know, is there anything else uh, before that? Uh, anything else that I missed that you wanted to to touch upon before we kind of get into some of the details about the show? Or, um, or I guess I'll bring up. I just saw you tease that uh, you just recorded a music video. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, but uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It looks uh, just from the stills, it looks pretty awesome. So, um, trying to think yeah. tease out about that. Is it for something from? on a spiral or is it for um something else yeah yeah it's for the song i go to from on a spiral the last song on the album um yeah i've never done a music video before and to your point earlier about getting the band together in one place and how it's been hard um i figured you know we have everyone in town right now everyone's learned all the songs and we're ready to we're we're playing them anyways so why not take advantage of it so yeah we did um the shows this coming weekend and we did the the video shoot yesterday actually um yeah that was a, that was also a cool new experience something I've, I've never done before um we uh recorded with this uh producer joshua hand who who's from maine has worked with a lot of boston area bands as well um some mm-hmm. some that i'm friends with um yeah it was a cool experience it was uh we we went to this old house that um is sort of mid renovation so it's seems kind of like it's getting renovated but also kind of dirty and run down at the same time um and yeah we we just spent all day yesterday moving to different corners of that house and um yeah it was it was fun um again definitely something i'd never done before getting used to like playing in front of a camera it's very weird experience you're you know you're sort of fake playing because you're playing along to the track, but there's no, there are no amps and no one else is, you know, when we're shooting, when you're playing alone, no one else is there and you can't really, you don't hear your part with, you know, you don't hear guitar parts with distortion. You're just playing on along to the recording and it's weird to have a camera, like cameras zooming in on your face and like, (laughs) and you're trying to look at it, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Don't look at it. And also you're like thinking about like, how do I look like what's, you know, silly yeah. things like you're you're flailing around and your hair's in your eyes and you're like, it's just yeah yeah you know, it's very easy to overthink the whole process but it was it was fun um mm-hmm. joshua the guy that we did it with was great did a nice job making everyone feel comfortable um so yeah mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah it's probably it's still be a little while probably before it's finished but um mm-hmm. yeah but yeah we're watching for that hopefully yeah you do some something cool premiere that somewhere but uh yeah um but yeah let's talk about saturday uh again it's a gonna be a great show like but what can people expect from a line in time you know like uh what are you uh looking to bring to this uh the show on saturday night yeah um well i'll start by i can describe the band to start because literally while we've been on this i got a text saying i i was obligated to name drop the band um, yeah. so I'll, I'll do that now because <laughs> otherwise we were practicing tomorrow night and I don't want to get yelled at. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the band is, I play guitar for the live show. Um, my cousin that I mentioned that plays mandolin is also playing guitar, Russ Gutterson. Um, one of my good friends from college who I used to play in a band with, um, Cooper Heinrichs is the third guitarist. Um, and then the drummer is Jesse Hangen, who was also in that band from college. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then the bassist, Nick Feedy, lives in the Warwick area, um, is a singer-songwriter who I've, I've done a lot of um, playing with him. We, we do covers. We did a cover show last year, actually, or this year. I'm losing track of time. Um, yeah, yeah. so it's all, it's all people that I'm friends with or, you know, and one that I'm also related to, um, which makes it really fun. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's great. You know, it, it, I feel like doing this sort of project, a solo project like this would be very easy to just try to like find, you know, musicians who are available and like you can pay to do this, but having friends that are, you know, willing to like put in the time is, is really, I feel really lucky to have that. Mm-hmm. Of, you know option um and it makes practicing and playing together a lot of fun um so yeah we're it, it's definitely a, a process you know you're going from people that like the music maybe have listened to it to like trying to actually learn you know a whole mm-hmm. it's you know 45 to an hour 45 minutes to an hour of music it's not like learning you know songs they're they're you know five to eight minute songs that have no repeating sections and like no real song structure to them. No, no words, nothing to like remember. So I, I, Mm -hmm. it's definitely, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like they've all, they've all put in a ton of time to, to be able to, you know, even just remember what's happening in the song, let alone actually like play the parts. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm super grateful to them for all the time they put in and it's just going to be fun i think like it's easy when we're practicing like this to kind of get in our heads and be be really worried about being precise but i hope what people get out of the show is that we just kind of like let loose and like you know have fun and not not focus so much on the precision aspect i think like for me shows are all about the energy and just like being in the room with people so that's yeah, that's yeah. what i hope is the is the vibe <laughs> um yeah that's it sounds intense um like just as you're describing that you know uh yeah to come check that out i mean yeah you're absolutely right i i, I mean i i I probably mentioned here but you know if i play drums and there's a lot of anchor points that i'm very happy that i can rely on of like i gotta wait for that vocal cue that comes in here or yeah. it's you know like it's a verse chorus and i know what this thing is but yeah i mean your songs are um they're just yeah again like these incredible like soundscapes with uh you know yeah no part that is there or you just play these like short little segments once or whatever right. like, yeah nothing uh, nothing to like rely stuff. on it's, yeah yeah it's funny when we're moving through songs and we're like trying to s- describe like let's start from this point like let's uh, like stop and then let's start from this point and just like even trying to convey that makes you realize <laughs> It's the, yeah. the like heavy the heavy part right after this part <laughs> right, you try to like play your part but like without the context it's not you know it's hard yeah, to yeah. you realize like yeah. how non traditional it is when when you try to describe it in that way um, yeah yeah I, the, I'm I'm really excited for the show it'll be, obviously it'll be the first time we're playing all the honest viral songs um, and I'm excited mm-hmm. about the lineup too um, mm-hmm. it, it's really cool that it worked out to have a bunch of local ish artists um secret gardens is based out of new york but i i'm not sure what his connection is actually he has some connection to providence so he's like been in and out in and out of providence at various points um and his stuff is uh you know super technical and like a little more proggier it's uh 
really impressive, but like still very, you know, motive and interesting. Um, mm-hmm. and Circus cool. Street's from Boston. Um, also part of the kind of like the same post rock scene. Like, uh, if you, again, those channels that I was mentioning earlier that kind of part of the post rock community, Secret Garden, Circus Trees, me and, and many other artists are kind of all like in the same circles online. It feels like you see, I, I had seen their names pop oh, up cool. for a long time. So it was cool to like connect with them and be like, Hey, we have a chance to set up a local show. Do you want to get involved? Mm-hmm. Um, and then strip mall again, like as I, once I moved here and tried to like connect with the Providence and Rhode Island, the broader Rhode Island music scene, it was tough because of the pandemic, but I just sort of like mm-hmm. started following local bands, local podcasts, local, mm-hmm. you know, news places. Um, and that was how I got connected to them. And, you know, we're just looking for another band to kind of like flesh out the lineup and, and, you know, uh, they're they're sort yeah. of like Matt the emo stuff is is obviously very you know very much oh uh, yeah 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 from the same world so it felt like a good fit but yeah yeah no I, I absolutely like I said absolutely love Strip Mall of the Jack is one of my favorite drummers and um, such a good band so yeah I can't recommend uh, Saturday Night Show enough you know please go and uh, support all these bands uh, support Rhode Island music. Um, and yeah, John, I really want to thank you again for taking some time and, and talking about uh, your incredible music that you're making. You know, uh, it's it's really cool to get a little bit more insight into everything that goes on. Just because, as as I was saying, I've, I've you know I've got to play a lot of music, but I haven't done anything like what you're doing. So it's really cool to learn from you um, and, and what it takes to uh, create the uh, the music that you're making. So um, yeah, thanks so much, John. I look forward to uh, seeing you soon. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll connect and, uh, yeah, stay in touch, man. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this and for, you know, um, not, not just doing this for me, but doing this for Rhode Island music. It's, it's really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, again, as I was trying to like connect to, to music in Rhode Island, I, it was great to, to see, you know, people like you that are, are just sort of like taking their, their personal time to connect with local artists and share it out and promote stuff. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, like I, just what happened tonight, you know, I've been lucky to learn a lot, but yeah, it does take a lot of time. I have, as I've said in some yeah. other <laughs> interviews, um, but it, yeah, it's been good. I've, I've been happy to, uh, to be a part of the scene and just be able to give back. And again, just to be able to connect with people like you and uh, you know, um share your stories is really important to me so i'll definitely uh talk to you soon john um and yeah you know see you at the you know plan to see you at the show so uh, thanks for for taking the time to uh to talk everyone go support a line in time go buy some records go to the show and uh yeah everyone have a good night <laughs>